0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
2: Today's show is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire, and you can try it for free by visiting ZipRecruiter.com break it down. And yes, welcome to Break It Down, welcome to the podcast. What I'm trying to do here, if you're new, is talk about things that are interesting to me, and not even so much talk, I'm trying to work on a little bit more listening. I'm trying to talk to people that know interesting things that I think you'll find interesting, and if I stay stimulated and follow it closely, then I hope that turns out to be entertaining stuff. So today's an example of that. I've been interested my whole life in getting strong and having muscles, but I don't have any and I've never been able to figure out how to do it. And maybe it's because I'm lazy. Maybe it's because I don't really care. Um, maybe I just say that I wish I was bigger and stronger and have never put into work. That's possible. But also, I've never really had a, a plan or a method or anybody coached me real good or anything. But I found a guy named Mark Ripto, and he is, uh, he's very interesting. He's a great communicator. I've seen some of his videos and stuff stuff he's written, and he makes me laugh. And so I li- I'm just predisposed to listening to his philosophies on stuff. Now, Mark has been training people and strength training at, at Olympic level. Strength training guys, basically, who he is. He's been doing it for 40 years. So I'm inclined to listen to him. Uh, And so I have him on the show today and we just discuss it. I tell him who I am and, you know, what my body's like and what I'd like to do. And his philosophy is very cool, it's very matter of fact and direct. And I hope you guys will like it. I enjoyed talking to him very much. So we'll get right to that. But at first, I'll just tell you real quick, as I always do, to go to rockabilia.com. Pick out a band t-shirt or a hoodie or a hat or a poster or some other pop culture thing. This is a good website. It's a good company. It's been around for more than 20 years, making great stuff, licensed stuff by the artist. It's just a good store. You can get 15% off whatever you get there if you use the code down. All right, let's talk to Mark. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down,
3: oh, break it down. Like Matt Cutter.
1: Yeah
2: uh, You said you've been doing strength training and the gym owner. For forty years, but additionally, you've been—you've—you're been, actually a strength coach and Olympic level strength coach, correct?
0: Well, I, the, the term Olympic level strength coach is mm-hmm. is, is probably—I don't even really know what that means. Uh, do we? I have been in the fitness business since 1977, and by that I mean I had my first job in this industry back mm-hmm. in seven uh i i have worked uh in this field for that length of time i bought the gym i own now in 1984 and have spent uh my time full time in the in this industry since then and during the course of that period of time i've taught people how i've learned the most effective ways that there are to teach people how to do the basic barbell exercises. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what we do now from the, from the standpoint of the fact that I am an Olympic level strength coach. Uh, I'd have to say that that assessment, uh, depends on what you consider to be the level of the strength coaches who are actually teaching people to compete in the Olympics. Mm mm-hmm and i have long observed and this certainly goes uh, certainly is true for uh the olympics uh, and we can see this going on right now the worst strength coaches in the strength and conditioning industry are always found at the d1 and professional levels
3: <laughs> how's that and,
0: and, well it's it's if you think about it for just a second it's it's perfectly obvious
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: who comprises d one university sports teams?
2: I don't know what you mean exactly. who comprises the teams or the student athletes yeah, yeah. Who,
0: who are on the team yeah
2: the student athletes, yeah,
0: the student athletes are on the teams, so where do those guys come from? high school, and who puts them on the d one college rosters
2: well the the recruiters, the recruiters, right,
0: right. And what do the recruiters look for?
2: Uh, size, I imagine.
0: No, they look for athletic freaks.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, the people that just have the genetic predisposition, but like they, the they, size they or whatever. Look, yeah,
0: look for genetics. Mm-hmm. Whether it's size, whether it's height, if you're mm-hmm. on basketball, whether it's uh, standing vertical jump, whether it's strength, whether it's reaction time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what what you what what comprises Uh the fifty-five kids in the locker room at the D1 school are a bunch of athletic freaks. Yeah. Gifted natural athletes. Natural athletes are people who have, as a general rule, two things in common. Uh first, they are very, very good visual learners. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: They very good at copying movement patterns that they see executed at a high level. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you've been around people like this. You grew up with kids that were just really good at playing football in the front yard. Right. And and these guys could watch football being played on Sunday and go out and play football in the front yard at a very high level because they're good at copying things they see visually.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's, uh, that's one of the primary characteristics of natural athletes. The other one is that very, very good, talented athletes have got a very high standing vertical jump. They are explosive. Yes. And people who are explosive are explosive because of their ability to recruit large numbers of what are called motor units into contraction at one time.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: The difference between slow people and fast people is that fast people are very good at turning on their muscles. Into contraction. They can jump. They can explode. Right. Right. And people who can explode are using more of their muscle mass right now than people who are slow.
2: It's not about the amount of mass. It's the utilization of it.
0: It's it's about how effectively they can use the muscle mass they've got. Right. Now, what this boils down to is that these people— Can hit you. They can, they're explosive. They can change directions quickly. They Mm -hmm. can, uh, and since they are using a higher percentage of their muscle mass than people who are not gifted this way, they start off stronger. They get strong faster. Uh
3: huh.
0: And they, uh, can do things with their muscles explosively in terms of changing direction and agility and balance and coordination and speed and these sort of things, much better than people who are not genetically gifted. It's important to understand that this genetic endowment cannot be duplicated with training. You cannot make a slow person explosive. You cannot take a person with a 12-inch vertical jump and even get them to an 18-inch vertical jump. It Mm -hmm. can't be done. You can
2: improve it, but just by fractional. You can improve it 10
0: to 15 percent. But, but that doesn't. That means that if a person's got a 12-inch vertical jump, they'll never have an 18-inch vertical jump. They may have a 13-inch vertical jump. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe a 14-inch vertical jump under the best of circumstances, but 14. Is not who's on D1 school teams. Right, people on D1 school teams have 32 inch verticals, and that's what the recruiters—that's what the recruiters um, uh, look for. That's that's why they hire you to play football for that school. And I'm I'm not being cynical when I say that these these people are employees of the school. Uh-huh. Uh, they're they're trading a very expensive educational product for four years. Or so of uh, sports performance, and uh, and the school sells tickets and all the stuff. So let's not let's not pretend like that's not going on. Now, if you've got fifty five kids in your locker room with a thirty six inch vertical jump, and you take them at the age of eighteen, and you get rid of them at the age of twenty two, and they grow from 18-year-old men to 22-year-old men during that period of time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: They're going to improve, aren't they?
2: Yes. Because, I mean, their training anything, level has to go up from high school, Whether,
0: right? you, whether you do anything mm-hmm. to make it go up, it's going to look like your program is working. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of D1 strength and conditioning coaches – get away with doing a whole bunch of extremely silly bullshit, (laughs) extremely silly bullshit. And it looks like that what they're doing is working. Yeah. When the reality of the situation is, is these kids are getting strong in spite of the fact that they're doing silly bullshit, not because of it. Right. And as a result, it's been my observation and, uh, you know, the only people that will argue with me on this are the people in the D1 positions. Uh, it, it's been my observation that the uh, that the industry shelters the worst coaches at the highest level because people that are handed genetic freaks.
3: Yeah, they
0: don't for, have the
2: pressure to develop the. Situ- the, the there stuff, is no pressure. Right? They're
0: already good athletes, or they wouldn't even be there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And we could talk about methodology all day long, and uh, it would take a long time but 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 my my observation is that uh, the uh, and the Olympics are certainly not immune to this. Mm-hmm. I mean you Olympics are hey, NBC News says that the Olympics are the pinnacle of athletics. And uh, you know you've got uh, the Norwegian, Ski team guys are doing quarter squats in the gym and jumping around on balls and doing this other stuff. And the phenomenology is, is well, Hey, the best in the world are doing quarter squats and jumping around on balls. Yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, that is the phenomenology. That is in fact what occurs, but I'm not concerned with that. What I'm concerned is, is what they could be doing that might be better than quarter squats and jumping around on balls. But as long as everybody agrees that all we're going to do is quarter squats and jumping around on balls, it's going to still be true that the greatest athletes in the world are doing quarter squats and jumping around on balls. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's the best. It just means that that's what's being done right now.
2: I think that makes understand
0: sense. my understand yep. my position on this.
2: All right. Pardon the interruption, people, but I'm going to tell you about ZipRecruiter and about hiring and about getting the right person for the right job. I cannot tell you how much time I've wasted on people that were not the right fit for what I was doing, people that I have hired or been working with or seen. I like to work with people and develop them and, you know, invest in people. And that is treacherous if you don't have the right person. If you're going to bring somebody in your organization – and then train them, they've got to be the right person or you cannot believe how wasteful your efforts are. And ZipRecruiter is a tool to find the right person and then you can do the rest yourself. But finding the right person that's the right fit, I just couldn't overstate how important that is. And I think it's obvious why. Now, ZipRecruiter knew that there was a smarter way so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. Now, ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies the people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations, they've basically revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And it doesn't start there. They even spotlight the strongest ones you receive so you never miss a great match. Now, here's, here's the power in this is they know how you think. They've done the research and the data, and they know how to make build a system that will be intuitive for you so you don't get lost in a big stack of resumes or taking a bunch of random phone calls or setting up all these goofy things. They've got a system down to get the good candidates to you and find them and for you to sort through them. So it works really well on both sides. Businesses of all size trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs, and right now, my listeners can get you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. You can try it for free. You just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash break it down. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash break it down. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Well, let's just get into a couple of other things there. Like, uh, What is the example of the silly bullshit that they do that that is less than effective that maybe co- people commonly think is effective?
0: Well, it's called functional training. Mm-hmm.
3: It's all functional
0: training, okay? Uh, Just to uh, – it's it's hard to pick just someplace to jump into this because the topic is so large. Do you – you know what a power clean is, right? Yes. Power clean is where you pull a barbell up off of the floor rapidly Mm -hmm. to accelerate the bar up to the point where when you stop – pulling on it and change you into a catching position the bar continues to fly up mm-hmm. under its own until you can catch it on your shoulders and whether or not you can do that depends on how fast you can accelerate the bar off the floor all right so this is a this is a, a, a example of a movement that is dependent on your ability to exert the parameter that we call power which is strength displayed quickly Okay, and sports conditioning people generally re, uh, uh, realize the utility of doing the snatch and the clean and the and the jerk, the Olympic dependent movements, as ballistic, dynamic, explosive barbell based movement patterns that are uh, uh, that can be incrementally loaded with you know two and a half five pound jumps and and gradually go up. Okay, if we are going to determine uh, how much a person cleans by the amount of, and how explosive they are, by the amount of weight that that person can clean, we have to understand the simple fact that strength is being displayed quickly, and strength is a function Of how much force production you can produce against the floor uh, Between the barbell and the floor Mm -hmm. Uh, If you think of it like this, it is immediately apparent That a person who can deadlift 500 pounds Can clean more than a person who can deadlift 200 pounds Mm -hmm. And we know how to make you stronger we know how to make your deadlift go up. And as a result, we let's say you're deadlifting 300 pounds right now, which is kind of average for an athletic kid that hadn't really been trained before. Uh, he comes into the gym today and he deadlifts 300 pounds. What would be the best approach to make this kid a better athlete? Would it be to have him practice jumping around in the floor on balls and display <laughs> the, the athletic ability that got him hired in the first place, or would it be to put 10 more pounds on the bar to 310 pounds and have him deadlift that and then have him go up on his deadlift 10 pounds. And every time he deadlifts, just go up 10 pounds, lift 10 more pounds, lift 10 more pounds. When that quits working, he lifts five more pounds. Until his deadlift is five hundred pounds, mm-hmm. or would it be a better use of time to have the kid jumping around on balls? To do, and you know yeah. what I'm talking about. You've seen all of the balance yeah. exercises and the the colorful rubber balls and the changing hands with the five pound dumbbells and mm-hmm. displaying athletic ability. Or would it be
2: displaying yeah, getting so, him yeah. strong? But they would say that they're trying to train explosiveness and build this or that, whatever. And that's what and you that, know
0: what. You know why it's bullshit? He's already explosive or they wouldn't have hired him. Yeah. If he wasn't explosive, he wouldn't be on the scholarship. We Mm -hmm. hired him because he was explosive. That's why he's standing there looking at you. What he's not is as strong as he can be. He's not as strong as he can be.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's your job to best utilize his time and his potential by making him stronger. Yeah. And it's not particularly complicated. <laughs> you know, if you think that you have a, a talented athlete that can't be trained up to the point of a 500-pound deadlift in about six months, well, you just have never done it before. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's not remarkable. That's not That doesn't represent a strength specialization, and it does, doesn't represent a particular talent on the part of the strength coach. Mm-hmm. But if you don't understand that your time with him is best spent getting him strong as opposed to having him demonstrate the things we already know he can do because that's what we hired him for. Then you don't understand your role as a strength coach. Yeah. And that that's my point. Yeah. I, I think that, that a lot of time and a lot of potential and a lot of injuries as a result of the fact these kids aren't being made strong enough are the result of this less-than-optimum approach to strength and conditioning. Mm I think it's terribly important.
2: So it seems like your philosophy here and what I've gotten from you and other things I've seen and read and listened is that the strength part, like you say, is not particularly complicated, but it's literally the best thing you can do is to just incrementally focus on increasing the strength because that is the thing that can be done despite genetics, and it's still different across Genetics, like how uh, much you can do it, but
0: exact mundo.
2: Okay, so let's move this into exactly. talking about about me, and I'll serve as a proxy for other people. And I'm okay. particularly interested in this myself, so I'll give you a little quick background of where I'm at, and you can correct me because I've definitely got some stuff wrong here. So I do not uh, exercise regularly. I've been through periods in my life. I'm skinny. Um, I'm thin. I've tried to put on weight. I've spent many times in my life where I said, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to build muscle. I'm going to work out because I know you're supposed to. I, and I've never, it's never been effective to the point where I've concluded I can't gain weight or put on muscle. <laughs> and so I love it because I know it's important and i really want to do it, especially late as I get later in life, but I've never had to worry about losing weight and I'm not trying to compete athletically, but I've Never found something good exercise-wise that I want to do. But I definitely want to put on mass as I go in my 40s, 50s, and 60s because I know it will be important to my survival, basically. Absolutely. So that's my philosophy, but I've not found it yet. And I love how you say, for instance, I think you say that – a man is two hundred pounds. Is that is that accurate from you?
0: I, I think that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. Unless he's a short man, and then he's one eighty five.
2: <laughs> You're right. So I weigh one hundred and seventy five pounds at the moment. Um, I'll give you another bit of my profile. As I love to eat. Uh, no sugars and low carb or basically carnivore. I eat almost entirely meat just as a matter of diet at the moment. How tall are you? I am 6'3", 175. That's very thin. I've, I, can, I can get up to, if I just eat whatever, I feel like I'd turn out to be about 185 and it pretty much man, stops there. But I've never been able to put on weight.
0: Man, that's embarrassing. 6'3", <laughs> One, 175. That's You're just right. a skinny guy.
2: I have no muscle.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to suggest that you're that you need to gain some weight. Yep, I'd like to. let me suggest that the program I'm about to tell you about works every single time it is tried. All right. Every single time it is tried. You come into the gym on the first day, and we have people that can help you with this, and I'll talk about that later. And what you're going to do is you're going to learn how to squat. You're going to squat below parallel. Mm -hmm. You're going to press the bar up over your head, you're going to deadlift.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And what we're going to do on the first day is we're going to kind of find out where you are, where it's comfortable for you to kind of push on the bar. Uh, you're going to do, uh, let's say we start with the empty bar, and uh, we we teach you how to squat below parallel. We teach you how to use your Hips to drive the bar up out of the bottom and it most effectively biomechanically move the bar through the squat range of motion. Mm -hmm. And we go from 45 pounds to 65 pounds to 85 pounds to 105 pounds to 115 pounds. And we we see that 115 pounds, that if we went up another 20 pounds to 135, that'd be a little more. More than we want to push on you today because we got to leave a little bit in the tank and we can't make you so sore that you're not going to be able to train wednesday mm-hmm. this is a monday okay all right so you're going to squat 115 pounds for three sets of five on monday and then we're going to teach you how to press and the price the similar the procedures the same for the for the press we're going to start with the empty bar we're just going to go up to a little bit of weight and and we're going to stop you there that day. And we're going to do three sets of five across. Let's say we do 65 pounds. And mm-hmm. then on the deadlift, we're going to we're gonna start with uh, uh, the same kind of a procedure. We're going to start light. And we're going to go up. And on the deadlift, let's say you can do 155. Because mm-hmm. deadlift is almost always stronger the first day than the squatting. So we started off on day one squatting 115 for three sets of five, pressing 65, Pounds for three sets of five, and deadlifting one fifty-five for one set of five. We don't do sets across on the deadlift because we don't need to. Mm-hmm. We know that because of doing this for forty years. And then here's the thing you have never done. We're going to come back into gym after that Monday workout, and on Wednesday we're going to take the squat up to one hundred and twenty-five, and we're going to take the press up to seventy. And we're going to take the deadlift up to 165. And we're just going to load it on the bar. We're going to do it. It's going to be a little harder. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to do the same thing on Friday, only we're going to go to 135 on Friday on the squad and 75 for five on the press. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to do 175 on the deadlift. And then the following Monday, we may even go to the bench press the following Monday. So the following Monday, we're going to go take the squat up. Probably this time, we're going to go five pounds on the squat. We're just going to load it on the bar. After our warm-ups, you're going to do five more pounds for three sets of five. You're going to bench press, and bench press will be probably 115. That'll be the first day we benched. Deadlift to be 185, and we're going to start going five pounds on the, on the deadlift. And we're going to continue this uninterrupted without you missing any workouts,
3: mm-hmm.
0: without you missing any of the work sets to which we are adding a little bit of weight every time. We're going to do this uninterrupted. You are not going to miss workouts, and you're not going to fail to go up a little bit every time. Mm-hmm. 5 months from now, what's going on?
2: Well, if we've gone up even a little bit in
0: 5 then you're going to yeah. be squatting 315. You're going to be <laughs> you ha ha but that's not funny. You will do it. I love because it. Because you because you can. Do mm-hmm. it. And you're going to be pressing 145 150 pounds. You're going to be bench pressing 2 and a quarter. Mm-hmm. You're going to be deadlifting over 400. And the reason you're going to be doing this is because you're a human male. You're an intact human Mm -hmm. male, and you can. And this is, again, this is not remarkable. This is what we see every single time it's accomplished, Mm -hmm. where you don't miss workouts and you do not fail to go up in weight on all of the exercises that you're supposed to do that day. Furthermore, you don't do any other exercises.
2: I like that part. You don't run.
0: (laughs) You don't do anything to detract. I'm not allowed to run. You're not allowed to run. You're you're not going to run. You're not going to do anything that takes away (laughs) from the effectiveness of this very short term strength increasing effect that we call the novice effect. And you're going to be able to do that. And everybody can do it like this. Now,
2: even the wiry, skinny guys this, that don't have this a frame.
0: Yes, especially the wiry, skinny guys, because mm-hmm. in addition to this, you're going to eat enough to support your training, which mm-hmm. means that you're going to eat at least and probably more than 4,000 calories a day. Excellent. You're going to be extremely dependent. <laughs> I'll be hungry,
2: won't I, if I'm doing the
0: work? protein intake. You've got to have a high protein intake, but you've also got to take in Enough fat and carbohydrates to constitute the four thousand calories, because mm-hmm. the calories are necessary for the recovery as well as the protein. So you have, to, in other words, you're going to eat enough to gain the muscle mass that is demanded by the increase in loading over that period of time.
2: Is there a formula to that? Like four thousand? Is that is just a, that's a general that's a, rule, or is there some way to calculate rule. that?
0: General rule: A guy like you could probably stand to eat more than that. But I don't want to freak you out and tell you 6000 calories. Uh you can you can make good progress on 4000, but if you're going to try to eat 2200 calories a day this won't work.
2: You just eat, you'll do the work, to... you'll get tired, but you won't build you won't it, it, you recover. recover right or will not recover from the stress. There, the, the stress you will have broken been, down the I, muscle but not have the fuel to re- rebuild it to its the size it needs to rebuild to.
0: Muscle needs to grow in order for strength to increase, muscle has to grow. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And in order for muscle to grow, it's a calorie-dependent process. Mm -hmm. You have to have enough calories. You have to have enough protein. And when in doubt, you eat more. Mm -hmm. Okay, You're not going to eat like this the rest of your life. But you are going to eat like this until you stop being 175, until you start being two and a quarter. Mm -hmm. You're 50 pounds underweight.
2: (laughs) I love it. I love it. I believe you, too. I
0: I wish there weren't. No, uh, I will well, be shocked if you'll if you'll gain fifty pounds of useful body weight. You'll be surprised. I,
2: I mean, let's talk about that more. So, the what is the uh, main? Let me, let me okay, finish go my point yeah, go for the, it.
0: the Greater point that I'm making is this: is you.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You're not an athletic freak. Mm-hmm. We'd started off talking about athletes. What if we take that same? What if we take a kid that's the same height and size as you? Who's got a 36-inch vertical? He's a naturally talented athlete. Mm-hmm. What do you think we can do with him in that same period of
2: time? Oh, I can't oh, even imagine.
0: Well, I can't. <laughs> I can't imagine because we do it all the time. Mm-hmm. If their coaches will get out of our way, this is this is the problem, or their coaches won't get out of our way. Mm-hmm. Uh we take a, a an athletic kid at six three and one seventy-five and have him at a 600 pound deadlift in six or seven months at a body weight of two, uh, 225 every single time. And once again, this does not, this is not remarkable. This is not, this is normal. This is what
2: happens when you do and
0: it. This is just what happens when you do it. And, and then you've got an athlete playing on your field. That's, not deadlifting three hundred; he's deadlifting six hundred. Mm-hmm. Even if his vertical jump doesn't go up at all, and it won't much, it will a little bit, but not not significantly. Do you not think he can't hit you harder? <laughs> deadlifting six hundred as opposed to three mm-hmm. hundred. Do you not understand that that kind of a strength increase has far more potential? to affect his athletic performance than any other thing you can do. And certainly that all of the time you can figure out how to waste jumping around in the floor on rubber balls.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that makes a lot of sense because. Well, it
0: does make a lot of sense, doesn't it? But nonetheless, it's not fashionable. And as a result, the people listening to me right now are just going to (laughs) go, greatest athletes in the world jump around on rubber balls. And my response That would be, and yeah, and as long as they all agree to not get strong, it'll be just fine.
2: (laughs) Well, so let's talk about it further. So outside of athletics and competition, for somebody like me to get up to weight and to be strong – there's the obvious benefit. Uh, I think a lot of people, and when I've worked out before, I was just trying to, I don't know, tone up, do a bunch of reps, like work each muscle on the Nautilus machine. I didn't really have a, a goal or a plan. Yeah. But the way you're talking gives you, yeah, it's just workout. I guess that's what the this whole is industry the is. Yeah. But the, the plan, plan is, is get we're strong. We're
0: going to find out how strong you are right now, and then uh-huh. we're going to make you get stronger. Yeah. And we're going to feed you in order that you can get stronger and bigger. Yeah. And you're going to get stronger and bigger, Mm -hmm. and it works every single time. There are no exceptions.
2: Well, what is? Let's talk about the reason why that's what we all want to be—is stronger. And I, like, all I can tell you is I have the suspicion strongly that when you get older, you get weaker and you have need to have mass to lose so that when I trip and fall, I'll have muscle to catch myself. I mean, it's obvious. I'm a clumsy person anyway. So it right. seems to me if I want to extend my life, I need muscle mass. And that's about as far as I can think about it. I'm not that worried about how well, I look. I'm not trying to show off or anything. You're ahead of
0: everybody's doctor. Yeah. Uh, if you understand that, uh, what happens as we get older and this happens Regardless of whether we wanted to or not, whether we're training or not, uh, whether we're obese or skinny or whatever the situation is, as you get older, your muscle mass goes down.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. That's the that's the normal, natural history of the human and body. And it's obvious
2: when you look at old people.
0: It's obvious if you look at the difference between your uncle mm-hmm. and you, he's skinnier than you are. Mm-hmm and he's more frail and the older he gets the more frail he's going to get right eventually it'll kill him yes right uh you've got uh this normal tendency to lose muscle as you as you get older and there's been a lot of work done on this and I'm not you know I I I don't mean to be glossing over it but it takes a lot of time to describe this but uh, a loss of muscle mass is associated with death yes It seems obvious to me. loss of muscle mass is how people people with cancer die. Mm -hmm. People with cancer die from wasting, not normally from the cancer. They die from the wasting associated with the cancer. And a a pronounced loss in muscle mass is a fatal event, Mm -hmm. whether it's chronic or acute. Uh, You lose a bunch of muscle and you die. So it makes perfect sense to think about – the maintenance of muscle mass is your body's health insurance policy. Yes. Right. The more, the bigger, more muscular you start off, the further you have to go to spin down the toilet. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but a a seventy year old man who is frail and skinny is one serious illness or one serious accident away right. from an assisted living facility.
2: That's right, and easier to fall if you don't have the muscle to catch yourself when it, you do trip on something accidentally.
0: Obviously, yep. there's 50 other ramifications mm-hmm. of it that are just as compelling as that. Now, here's the funny part is everybody's doctor wants to tell them, how to tell them that they should be running. What did running do to our muscle mass?
2: I, it shrinks well, it. Or nothing, yeah. If anything, it burns some off if you over... It burns it off. Right.
0: Yeah, running uh, 25 miles a week is the opposite of what I would recommend that an older person needs to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, See, they're all thinking that strength training doesn't keep your heart and lungs in shape. Well, that's because they've never strength trained and they don't know. (laughs) Uh, But what we do know is that runners lose muscle mass faster than the general population. Uh, running is the last thing you ought to be doing. But you know you're not going to listen to me, of course, because I'm just this weightlifting guy and I want everybody to lift weights. But it's fine with me. Go ahead and run. I don't care. If you want to stay big and strong and healthy and get older as a result of staying big and strong and healthy, don't run. Lift weights. Right. Right. Yeah, don't I, run, I'm completely
2: convinced in theory. Now yeah. I've just got to figure out how to do it. And, and you, pr- and I like what, what
3: you do.
0: Is it, it really? It's it. It's Matt. It's not any more complicated mm-hmm. than I just told you. You go to the gym, you squat, you press, you deadlift, you find out how much you, you did today, then you go home, and then Wednesday the process starts. You go up five pounds. Everything goes up. That's all you have to do. It's mm-hmm. not complicated. It's, it's so simple, in fact, that it doesn't appeal to uh, most people's sense of uh, complexity worship.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: How can it be that easy? Well, I didn't say it was easy. I just said it wouldn't complicate it. Yeah. Because it's certainly not easy. Getting under five more pounds than you squatted last time eventually gets to be very hard, but it's not complex.
2: What's and the difference does, it, if you can do that extra five pounds time. or not, though? Like, what, what, like, either I can, it, what is weird about it to me is it sounds like it doesn't even take long at the gym to do three sets of, Three, you know, four exercises. Is I that all we're doing? Probably
0: An hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes to do this workout. Mm-hmm.
2: And so, what's weird about it is it seems like, well, surely if I do 175 pounds on Monday, in theory, I could do five more pounds on Wednesday, but what if I can't? That's right. What if I can't, though? Like, I try, and like, what's the difference well, in success and failure on Wednesday?
0: Uh, getting the last rep or the last set of five. Let's say you went up to 180. And you did one set of five, and it was real hard. And then you do the second set of five, and it's real hard. And you do the third set of five, and it's so hard that you only got four of them.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Well, you only did nine of the um, – I you only did 14 of the 15 reps. And the in now the coach has a problem to solve. And what happened was one of three things happened. You either went up too big a jump. You took 10-pound jump instead of 5-pound jump. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Or you didn't rest long enough between those three sets. And you need to rest, you know, five to ten minutes between the sets. You can't just do one of the sets, put it up, catch your breath, do another set. That You're still fatigued from the first set. Mm-hmm. The object is the last rep of the last set of five. Or the third example, uh, the third reason why you didn't get it is you didn't do what we told you about eating. You're on some kind of weird-ass diet where <laughs> yeah. you're only eating vegetables or Mm -hmm. you're only eating roast beef or you're only eating grapefruit or something like that. You didn't do what you need to do to hold up your end of the deal about recovery. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. I assure you that if you do the things correctly, if you do the program, if the program is written, then you will go up and you will get all five reps of the 180-pound squat. Mm -hmm. And you won't get stuck until you're up over 300 pounds. And the reason I know these numbers is because, again, I've been doing this for 41 years, Mm -hmm. and I know how things work. I know what people can do if they will do the program correctly. I can tell immediately when you haven't been doing the program correctly Mm -hmm. because the program yields such predictable results that if you're not doing the program correctly, I immediately know that you haven't done the program correctly. Mm -hmm. Because I've been watching this for 40 years. Not only have I been watching my own people do it for 40 years, our book has sold 750,000 copies. And we have trained hundreds of thousands of people. And we know what happened to them, too. Mm -hmm. If you do the program, the program works every single time it's tracked.
2: And so the whole it, thing is built – this whole thing that we're talking about now specifically is what you call the novice effect. And so is that it's a – right.
0: Right. It's built on the observation of a very simple cycle mm-hmm. that we call stress recovery adaptation cycle. You apply a stress to a biological organism. You provide the means for that organism to recover and adapt to the stress, and the adaptation takes place. It's just biology. Mm-hmm. This is simple biology. This isn't magic. This is not anabolic steroids. This isn't cheating. This is what happens in a bio to biological systems when they are perturbed. Mm-hmm.
3: Is and there?
2: This is is that's there, all there is to it. So we've separated the fact that the vertical leap and those things are genetic and the, some of the explosiveness and those things is being able to put on weight does it not vary uh, in muscle genetically too or less so? Sure,
0: sure it does but uh, it, it in terms of gifted and talented people they, they, they do this a lot easily than you or I do. It. Mm-hmm. But we all do it by virtue of the fact that we're alive. One of the one of the uh, hallmarks of life is the ability of an organism to adapt to its environment. And all we're doing with this stress adaptation, stress recovery adaptation cycle is we're manipulating the environment in which the organism lives. Mm -hmm. We're we're putting you in the environment of a barbell training situation. And now the environment is barbell training. Now the environment is such that you're lifting five more pounds Every forty eight hours. That's the environment. And you adapt to that environment by growing muscles. If we facilitate the growth with, you know, you going to bed when you're supposed to. How much sleep are we getting? Oh, you know, most adults probably on a program like this need seven to eight hours. Okay. You can do it on six if you have to. Mm-hmm. You know, what's optimum? I'm not, you know, you don't have to live in bed. I mean, we've all got stuff to do. Yeah,
2: eight hours is fine. I can
0: get that. You know, you can get eight hours. You're doing better than I am. So, uh, but, but, so this is just a simple biological phenomenon that the the organism adapts to its environment. Mm -hmm. We're just taking charge of the environment and we're tailoring that environment to produce the adaptation that we want. Now, let's, let's, head back toward college athletics and the Olympics, like we started off with mm-hmm. those people are in charge of their environment. I mean, they're living in a dorm. They're on a scholarship. They've got, you know, the study and stuff, but their whole situation is being, uh, or at least it can be manipulated to produce the optimum Ability to tailor the environment to cause an adaptation in the organism. Mm -hmm. And we can make the organism adapt to whatever we want it to adapt to. Now, do we want the organism to adapt to getting a little bit stronger every single time it can? Or do we want the organism to adapt to jumping around on the floor on rubber balls? Yeah. you uh, You know, you guys decide what you want to do you know, but as far as I'm concerned, unless your sport is jumping around in the weight room on rubber balls, and I don't know of anybody that's on scholarship for that, then I'd suggest that maybe the weight room ought to be the place where we manipulate the environment so that the organism gets stronger. And then we go out on the football field and we, instead of jumping around on rubber balls, we play football.
3: Mm-hmm. So, so we you, get better. That.
2: Yeah. I think that I think that is obviously reasonable, and uh, it's weird that people don't think more in that in that way. But what about after, let's say oh, somebody like,
0: sounds uh, Matt, it sounds better if what you're doing is complicated. Yeah. To, oh yeah, because
2: yeah. you have to prove your worth in it, your job, demonstrate uh, job, that you know security, all these techniques to, and all that stuff. Yeah. Hey, the street condition right. coach,
0: he knows all this periodization shit. He's you know doing Matt veev's undulating periodization. <laughs> yeah. You know, at week eight in this cycle, and, you know, this week eight calls for a certain amount of jumping around on the floor and rubber, both. No, no, no. How much is he squatting this week?
2: Yeah. So it's job eight, security eight, five, for these well, people that they, they talk three, overhead nine. and all that. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So when, when you go, if somebody like me goes through and we just get to wherever that is, say six, eight months, and I, now I'm over 200 pounds, I might be 225. And you say well, I'm not going to do that for the rest of my life or eat that way the rest of my life. But what's next? For what? What do you do after you get through that novice effect, which sounds like the most fun part because and fun
0: is this not the, the best most fun for part. It,
3: it's yeah, satisfying. it's the most fun
0: you'll ever have with your training because everybody makes good fast progress.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: If I can take you from 175 to two and a quarter
2: of muscle, sounds exciting. Yeah.
0: Yes, in it, six months. And you know, I'm not saying that 100 that you'll have gained 50 pounds of muscle. But you'll have gained forty pounds of muscle, mm-hmm. and ten of it will be fat. And I assure you, nobody will see the ten pounds of fat because mm-hmm. it's stretched over forty new pounds of muscle. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll be having fun. You'll look better. You'll feel better. Uh, your work capacity's higher. It's harder to hurt you.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's just uh, uh, people just feel differently about themselves when they've gained fifty solid pounds of good body mass. And uh, and at that point, six months from now, after you've done that, if you want to do something else, then I'm going to allow you to make that decision.
2: Well, what would happen if I, I mean, uh, for instance, the worst case scenario would be, okay, well, I did that and then I just stopped. Then then I would probably just be overweight and start to become Yeah, sick,
0: you'll right? just, you know, you'll revert back to being 175 pounds at 6'3". You adapt to what your environment is. Mm-hmm. Go back to that that equation, stress, recovery, adaptation. What's the environment that's producing the stress? You know. Yeah. Well, if you take all the stress out of the environment, you adapt to a no stress environment. What does that look like?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's like you do now.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. So right. what? What? But what if I wanted to just maintain it after that? I mean, you're going to well, let me miss maintain. a Wednesday every once in a while, I guess, every right? <laughs> while, you just
0: keep squatting three seventy five. Yeah. <laughs> You just keep squatting 375. You can squat 375 from now on, as far as I'm concerned. I would submit, though, that after you've gone through the process of going from squatting nothing to working your ass off to the up to the point where you're squatting 375, I don't think you're going to just want to just
2: right. not do it anymore. That's right. Yeah, you'd start to feel you like you it? wouldn't want to go back. No. So you'll like it. And so, how how long realistically can people do this? As I mean, because again, I'm in a different state than somebody trying to compete athletically. I'm I'm in my forties now, and I want to just you know take care of my body and optimize the rest of my life is at, at the goal. So I, I intend to do, Vic. Eventually, get it figured out and do it long term. But what you know is there? What do people do when they start to get older? Like uh, you know, you talk about people squatting and you know deadlifting 500 pounds when they're 70 years old.
0: Well, I deadlifted 500 on my 60th birthday last mm-hmm. year. I think I can deadlift 500 right now. Mm-hmm. I'm 62. I'm, uh, i I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty strong. Uh, but we've, you know, our, our company publishes a book about that. It's called The Barbell Prescription. Uh, barbell training for people over the age of 40. And it's, uh, you know, it goes through all of the... Uh, Goes through all of the reasons why an older person would like to train with weights. It's a, quite a quite an interesting book. The barbell prescription is available on our website and on Amazon. And I mean, you know, it's discussed in detail there. But like we'd said earlier, muscle mass is why you want to train the barbell. Because mm-hmm. you want to be big and strong. You'd rather be big and strong than skinny and frail. And if you don't understand that, then just go ahead and be skinny and frail. I don't care. You know, I, I think it's perfectly obvious, though, that uh, a person would would be better off, bigger and stronger, than skinnier and frailer. Yeah. And, you know, if I've got to convince you of that, I, you know, you're smarter than that. You understand that.
2: Yeah, I, I don't well, need to convince, and I just have been discouraged. People I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about you
0: yeah, specifically, yeah. but there's a, there's a giant... Uh, portion of the population who think all they need to do is run or ride a bike or do something else. They're willing to, to work out a little bit, but they're, they've convinced themselves that the hard part of being under the bar is, you know, it's it, it, they just all they need to do is run.
2: Well, I think people naturally want to say, well, you know, that's fine. I mean, Mark says that about lifting and strength's good, but it's important to be balanced. So people will throw out the term balanced, and right. it, it doesn't necessarily. I mean, it can be a meaningless term. It just means it's a.
0: Yeah. It's an utterly meaningless term uh, if you allow it to be. So that implies, of course, that running is balanced and strength training is not.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is fascinating. Th- that's fascinating. Why would you think that? Does Does running improve your upper body strength?
2: Well, I think does was-
0: running improve your back strength. <laughs> Does running improve your leg strength? Well, Well, no, it doesn't. More importantly, does doing a heavy set of five squats get your heart rate and your breathing rate up? Well, yeah. Try it. Yeah, right. Try it. And tell me it doesn't.
2: I believe what drives a lot uh, of it uh, is uh, the...
0: uh, If, If we're talking about balance, barbell training is the balance. Running is not.
2: Yeah, because it it does, you're saying it's it also gets your heart rate up and breathing and stuff going. It in does, addition it, to the strength part. In
0: addition to the mm-hmm. fact it makes you stronger and running does not. Mm-hmm.
2: But I think what drives a lot of fitness is not the goal of strength here. I I imagine for most people and I'm not this yeah, way. It, yeah, right. You're but, right and it should. But but people's real thought is is a it's a it's just a visual looks you know in the territory of vanity is what i would assume is most people's motivation to work out so they can have whatever abs or look this or attract this mate or just show off or look at, look at themselves in the mirror i believe that's what's... or lose weight i mean i guess people like to run cuz they right. want to lose weight basically like i i think those are the things that are favored socially that i think mm-hmm. people set as their goals and that might explain some of the discrepancy of of why people w- would want to run or work out mm-hmm. in a different way
0: yeah i uh, uh I, I know enough fat guys that run every day that, that, you know, I mean, if, if it hadn't occurred to you by now that you can't run off a bunch of body fat, I just don't know what to tell you. You know, body fat comes off with diet. That's about all there is to it. Well, it'd
2: be a calorie deficit. You know, you,
0: if you, if you got a bunch, you got a belly to lose, you better tighten up your diet
3: because mm-hmm. right?
0: that's the only, only way it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as uh uh whether lifting weights or running is better i you know i just it's just a cost benefit analysis mm-hmm. how does how does running benefit
2: you i think and people think they does, lose weight and enjoy weight? it is all they can really they, say
0: well they may they certainly do enjoy it and i understand that if you want i'm not telling you to not run i'm just saying don't run instead of lifting weights mhm because that's dumb. <laughs> you know, if you want to run, go ahead and run, but you got you got to get you got to do some strength training. You got to mm-hmm. do something to maintain your muscle mass. Running doesn't maintain muscle mass. Running burns muscle mass up like a like fire in a haystack. It's it's catabolic. There's nothing worse for your health that I can think of than running a marathon, except maybe jumping off the top of a big tall building. <laughs>
2: That's funny. Yeah. That is funny. Building, jumping, slightly less healthy than it's running.
0: Slightly less healthy yeah. than running a marathon.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I suppose marathons exaggerate effects, you know, not just jogging a little bit, but literally doing that to your body. No, it I seems do. there's more and more comes out about that all the time that that's difficult. Well, that's, problem.
0: it's, it's not good for you. Yeah. It's not good for you. And yet, you know, if you look at the mainstream media, they're as wrong about that as they are about every, Other single thing to do. (laughs) So the pinnacle of health is the Boston Marathon. No, it's it's it is the it's the doorstep of death. Look at these people.
2: (laughs) That's funny. You're right. There's the skeletons running around, huh? Skeletons. Yeah. There's skeletons
0: running around. They look like they got cholera already.
2: Um, I like the article you wrote about the Olympics just kind of being out of whack in in themselves as far as the type of events that they have now that they've moved away from what is supposed to be. To, to you know, c- can you describe the three different categories if you remember that from your blog?
0: Well, the the, uh, the you mean the three I, different types of events? Yeah, I like I just like your
2: critique Olympics. of the Olympics, which is obviously to me I'm not that interested in the well. Olympics as probably I used to be because it's like it has turned into just some. It's, it's pageantry it's, or something.
0: It's, it's all it is. It's an opportunity for it's an opportunity for NBC to make a bunch of money on advertising. That's mm. basically all it is in in this country. And I understand that NBC doesn't dominate the Olympics in Europe, but by the same token, you know the whole thing's an advertising event. And uh, I think in that article, I basically pointed out that uh, there are basically three types of events in the in the In the Olympics, there are the original events that, that you could call athletics, uh, you know, the track events and the field events and that sort of thing where you compete against other people trying to generate a value on the board. There are team sports, Mm -hmm. you know, baseball, soccer, ice hockey, that sort of thing. And then there are the judged events like diving and, uh. Rhythmic gymnastics and uh, ice dancing and this sort of, thing. and uh, of, those, of those events, the original Olympic events were the athletics. These are also the ones that, that have most recently come under the greatest amount of fire from the, uh, from the media-led popular culture. Uh, there is a war on uh, the testosterone sports going on Mm -hmm. right now. And by that I mean the sports that are dominated by masculine, hairy, adult, male men. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, you know, this of course is gauche and tasteless and we can't have this anymore. So uh, we are not... uh, going to show those events on television. We're not going to show the weightlifting. We're not going to show the wrestling events. We're not going to show the hammer throw, the other interesting field events that big very strong men dominate
3: mm-hmm. We're
0: going to show, uh, the women's freestyle swimming, all the qualifying heat, all the intermediate heats, all the finals. The women's freestyle intermediate. Furthermore, we're going to see how the champion's mother overcame uterine cancer. Mm-hmm. And we're going to spend more time on that than we are on swimming. And, you know, some relative of the athlete has overcome some challenge. And that's what the Olympics is all about right now. And I, you know, if you, uh, you can read that article on my website, it's startingstrength.com. Uh, the Olympics, time to stop. Mm hmm. Um, And it's uh, It's just It's a general interest piece That I wrote about About my disgust with uh, With that particular waste of time Uh, They're hideously expensive They are a financial burden On the host country Uh, They're not necessary Because the uh, Constituent sports all have their own worlds Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just it's just social engineering is all it is.
2: Yeah. It's, I thought, I found it really interesting. There's a few things in there. Like for, for one, like you said, it's, there's some amount of directly competitive win loss overpower. you know, put up a bigger right. number part that is seen as it's just not, right. eh, it's just not as we don't want to do, we're just less of it. That's originally no, what it just, was.
3: It just
0: makes everybody uncomfortable because yeah. I mean, that guy lost. Yeah.
2: He got beat. Yeah. There's, yeah. I got beat by this man physically directly, I like you know, you know,
0: beat him. It's what
2: can't we all just <laughs> get, oh. yeah, yeah. And they, the thing about it, it's weird is those th- those competitions were so matter of fact, it's not they're not judged or whatever. They were like, these you know, can you jump higher? Like it's qua you know, it's quantitative right. in nature. It's like, Zero, can you lift what? more? Can you pin him? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's you know that's way different than the judge Nine point eight versus a nine point six, not so mean. Purest
0: form of competition. Mm
2: -hmm. It's real. Yeah, right.
0: One person beating another person. Yeah, but we are taught nowadays that we just can't have this.
2: Yeah, I thought I think that's real interesting. And there's another angle that really wasn't in there. But I was having a conversation with somebody about it before I read the article. I was thinking, you know, I'm a little bit weirded out by the way you got to think of all these countries and all these people and all the pressure you put on a kid that you identify at some young age, and then you put them in the ice skating rink or whatever it is, and they do that for 12 hours a day for their whole childhood to, I imagine, lose in the Olympics. And then I don't know what – and they're from who knows where, under what pressure, and then what do they do after that? Only one person wins. And then they've spent their whole childhood doing that. I would never want that for my children. I think of it as borderline abusive from my point of view. I guess they decided that's what they want to do with their life, but I don't know. Uh, I I don't trust my daughter to do that. Yeah, gymnastics is an example of that. And it seems like it's just like, it's kind of feels the same way to me that when you look at zoos, modern-day people look at zoos and they're like, this is a little funny that we do this. This might not be great for these animals, you know, but we like it.
3: Yeah. And that's
2: kind of what it feels like. You're training all these kids and taking their whole childhoods away and telling them that it's all about this and getting the, the gold. And something about that strikes me funny the more I think about it.
0: Well, you know, if, if anybody that's going to compete in any sport uh, – has decided that winning that sport at that sport is more important than health or fitness mm-hmm. or sanity yeah, or being well-adjusted or any other thing. And there's a, this, you know, competitive athletics is just that way. I'm not opposed to children doing competitive athletics at all. I think it's good for them. I do think though that there has to be a modicum of, Judgment exercised here. If you've got a kid. It's back to our vertical jump. You got a kid with a 12 inch vertical jump. And you're going to be all over his ass about being a football player. Cause you're, you know, a frustrated football player yourself mm-hmm. and you're his dad. And you're going to push and shove and try to pry that round peg into a square hole. Uh, you know, I, I, I I think that that's not good.
2: Yeah, do some damage there. Yeah, and I'm not that's at not all good. opposed to kids competing. They should voluntarily compete no. and compete hard. I, I mean, I'm all about they that. Compete. They should compete as hard as they want to compete.
0: Right. But don't, don't try to make them do things they're not capable of doing just because you're incapable of understanding the inherent limitation. hmm You know, educate yourself. Get your head out of your ass. You are the kid's dad. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're responsible for having your head out of his head, out of your ass. Yeah. So that yeah. you don't screw your kid up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I like to, I just, uh, I like the way that you think, Mark, because it's, it's, uh, well, I mean, it's like you said, it doesn't have to be complicated, but it's, uh, what did you say? It's simple. That means it's easy. It's logical. I mean, that's I'm logical. Be, yeah.
0: I'm, just, I'm just trying to be logical and straightforward. Yeah. Uh, uh, a lack of
2: complexity, yeah, right?
0: That's, uh, I mean, that's it. Things should be exactly as complicated as as is necessary. As is necessary, and, yep. And no more.
2: And no more, yep. I dig that, and I wanted to just spend a little bit of time with you today and think about it from point of view of me, and talk about athletics in general. And I appreciate your time, but that, that just your method of thinking is what I'm attracted to. And I do intend to do the weightlifting stuff. I, I don't know. I probably could just—is the best way to do it if I just get your go to your website or do follow you just, your book to do that. Because I don't know if I'll hire a coach or anything. I can do it on my own.
0: No, I think you probably first thing you need to do is equip yourself with as much information about our model of training as you can, and that would be found in Starting Strength Basic Barbell Training, which is in its third edition. It's the blue book. It's available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's available on our website, startingstrength.com. That contains the the basics of not only the execution of all the major exercises, but the uh, the basics of our method of programming organization, uh-huh. and all the stuff I've talked about today is all in there. Uh, after you've read that, if you're more curious about the, the programming of the exercises themselves, our second text is called Practical Programming for Strength Training, and it goes into a lot more detail about the nuts and bolts behind this stress recovery adaptation model that we base all of our programming on.
2: Mm-hmm. And this and can be done, you, you know, by, as an individual, you don't have to have a coach sure. in the gym. And you think no. you can get through the novice effects pretty well, do six the, months and, and make a lot of progress by yourself and with a gym membership.
0: The, the book is written for the purpose of helping you by yourself, Learn how to do these exercises correctly and learn how to program them correctly. If you will do what we tell you to mm-hmm. do, then you can do it just fine. The problem is, is that 99% of people won't do exactly what we tell and, them to And do. what is
2: their excuse that they give when they, well, when I, they inevitably you know, fail? I change
0: it up a little bit for my own, for my own circumstances. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have any own circumstances. Your biology, biology doesn't have its own circumstances. Process works. Do it like we tell you to do it all that the tailoring and personalization is built into the program already. Do what we tell you to do. Mm-hmm. And if you do it like we tell you to do, you squat below parallel, you put your feet where we tell you to, you put your bar on your back where we tell you to do it. You look where we tell you to look, you move this the way we tell you to move it. You'll be doing it correctly. People have done it without any help for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, People find as is usually the case. I mean, you could probably teach yourself to play the piano, right? But it's it's, it's easier if you have a little help from, a, from an instructor, and you might want to hire somebody to help you do it. But you certainly can get well along the way towards started by yourself. Uh-huh. And the the book was written for person functioning by themselves in their home gym.
2: Mm-hmm. Home gym even So you just need the Just a yeah. simple barbell set To do it Right Bar Really That's absolutely true Excellent Well Mark Thank you for talking to me today I feel like I've learned some stuff And even the Good. philosophy part of it Is what I love I just like getting behind Excellent. The way you think Because then I can try to get in your head When I'm thinking I, I'll be able to hear your voice It'll say Do it It'll say yeah. do it That's The only difference is If you do it or don't do it And I'll, I'll, I'll remember right, Let's that. Make, a,
0: make a recording of it right now yeah. Ready? Go ahead Do it do it, Matt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. I'll put that on. Do it. <laughs> right. Well, I appreciate appreciate you very much. We'll send people to startingstrength.com. Is that the best window That's in it. if anybody's Starting interested?
0: startingstrength.com. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: All right. We'll keep we'll it talk. up.
0: We'll talk again.
2: Yeah, we'll talk again. I'll update you. Thank you. All right. See you, Mark. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.
3: Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks With Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it.
2: So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now.
1: This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and -and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu.